In our sixth episode for the fifth season, I'll be chatting with Ryan Hauska. Ryan is an XC sapper from the FY11 cohort and now is the director of web operations covering some of Cisco's most innovative, forward-looking, and technical customers in the world. We'll be talking about his journey into CSAP, how staying curious and open-minded allowed him to find success, and the importance of networking. Enjoy. Ryan, what's up, brother? Good to see you. Hey, Nick. What's going on, man? Thanks for having me. So, Ryan, I start every episode the same way with a little quote. So, the first quote I'm going to tell you here today is by Peter Drucker. He is a management guru from back in the day. One of, his, one of my favorite quotes that he stated is, management is doing things right. Leadership is doing the right things. Now that you're in a leadership position, Ryan, does that quote resonate with you? Oh, for sure. I think a lot of those quotes, if they've, uh, if they've stood the test of time, there's usually quite a bit of truth to them. It actually reminds me of an interview I had with one of our leaders on the team last year where she said she, when looking at non-negotiables in the hiring process, she separates things into things that she can teach and things that she can't. And I, when you think about management and all of the, the account planning, the, the presentations, the presence, the things that you can, you can learn to be a very effective manager, sometimes those are very separate from what makes you a great leader and the, the high care factor that you have for others and, or that someone else's success should come before your own and uh, you know, looking out for someone if they're having a tough day. So I think there's a lot of, a lot of truth in there for sure. What, what stood out for you? Yeah, so being in my full eight months in Cisco, one of the things that I saw within the leadership, just anyone who speaks to me is how they portray themselves. And, and basically when I'm not in the room and how they speak on my character and my ability within the, and the program being so young. So for me, that, that really resonated because management, they kind of more tactical and leadership is definitely that overall strategy. But also the non-negotiable is a really good thing too, Ryan. I think uh, <clears throat> there's an acronym that I like to use called ICC, intelligence, coachability, and character. And those are like, I kind of rely on the, the two C's, coachability and character. But uh, yeah, no, it's just overall, Peter Drucker's a very sound and measured individual. So Ryan, people want to know, where does this podcast find you? I know it doesn't get a lot of great news lately, but I'm in, I'm in sunny San Francisco, California at the moment. <laughs> yeah, good to hear, man. Ryan, tell us about yourself. Sure, broad broad question. I know that for the CSAP podcast, we'll keep it a little bit more on the, the Cisco professional side. So it's my, my 11th year at Cisco. Went through the CSAP program, much much like yourself, spending two years in Raleigh and then the last nine or so in California within our, our web scale business, which has been an incredibly exciting run, especially for the last five or six years. As of recent, I, I lead a team, lead multiple teams across several of our largest web scale accounts from a sales and sales engineering perspective. Very cool. Very cool. We'll get to that more in a minute, Ryan, but let's bust right into it. How'd you find your way into CSAP? And what does that journey look like for you? And for the people who are listening, CSAP stands for Cisco Sales Associate Program. So yeah, Ryan, back to you, brother. Appreciate it making it more consumable. And I think um, for, for many of us coming coming out of school, we don't think that sales or anything networking related is is something that's in that immediate path. I actually went to school for, for hospitality out of Cornell, and I had a chance to play some football there as well, which is a ton of fun thought marketing was the route I wanted to take. And after uh, a summer back home at one of the, the large autos taking an inter- internship, I realized that just wasn't for me. I wanted to be a little bit more in control of 
financially and and just success overall making that a little more tangible and after having an opportunity to talk to some folks who are in the the csap program ahead and realizing that they you know, came from great universities incredibly intelligent well-spoken had a drive about them i realized it was it was something that i wanted to go after and was was fortunate enough to uh to get into the program in uh 2011. Yeah, no, Ryan, I think a lot of um, Ciscoians and CSAPers will echo what you just said. Financially is a big motivator for them, but also running as a salesperson, you kind of run your own business and run your book of business the way as a, any entrepreneur or CEO would. So you're basically a mini CEO within your patch. So definitely agree with that one. So Ryan, you know, we, we went back and forth internally with my podcast team to see who we can pick and I, you were top of my list. And your rise in Cisco can be described as meteoric. And I just want to lay the foundation for this question. So top CSAP associate globally, AM for Apple, then AM for Google, Google Cloud, client exec for Google, client director for Google and Alphabet, and now director of web operations. I mean, for all intents and purposes, you've been crushing it at Cisco. That being said, can you name a time where you failed and from failure, what was the subsequent lesson that was learned from it? So I basically just said, Ryan, you're crushing it, but you can't bat a thousand, right? I appreciate it. But, um, you know, there's definitely some days where that's not the case to your point. And I think that with our business in particular and, and a lot of these web skill customers, there isn't as much of a playbook. And it's it's a lot of figuring things out as you go. And it's it's a lot of, sure, maybe it's described as failure. And I think that's probably something I experience almost every day in some form or another. But the biggest difference, and I think what I've learned through that is just, if you've got everyone in the boat with you, you never you never feel like you're failing alone. And then when the success comes, you're never succeeding alone. It's always, you know, it's always because of the team, the engineer, it's the BU, supply chain, services, whoever it might be that was particularly strong in your ability to win a, a new franchise or or get get something back on track that had once been struggling with a customer. And I think that's just that's the biggest one is, you know, win or lose, you're all you're all in it together. I think the, that's one component of what makes Cisco so special, Ryan, is the fact that you never, like you said, you're always in a boat with another, with other individuals, right? Whether it's your SE, leadership, even your extended team. And that's something that I've found, you know, in my experience to be very helpful, especially navigating a lot of it. But I want to go back to, I don't think they do this anymore, Ryan, but I, I saw the top CSAP associate globally. So can you can you walk us through that whole journey, how you got it, and what what it took to become, I mean, the top of the leaderboard within such a prestigious program already? I, I honestly have no idea. I was at a I was at a recruiting event at Clemson at the time they gave it out, so I was I was not even there. But I think there's a there's a lot of different ways you can take advantage of the program. It's it's a great opportunity that the company's making a massive investment in in, in quite a few folks. So using that time to take advantage and not everything is incredibly prescriptive with how you should be using your time. So it is it's you know, it's the accountability of each individual to decide how much time they're going to want to take to, to learn about the technology, how much time they're going to want to take to reach out to people to understand more about what they should expect in their first few years in the field, networking to different parts of the company. I mean, Cisco. Cisco, even in the 11 years I've joined and the acquisitions that we've made, there's so many more opportunities that isn't just traditional inside sales, field rep, et cetera, and, and making sure that you've got a handle on all those. So I, I, I enjoyed, I, I learned by talking through things. So for me, the, the reach outs while uncomfortable at first, once you realize that people, one, are pretty flattered that you reach out and feel like they have something to teach you. And two, you come prepared with good questions and you're curious and, and you're bringing a, a fun dialogue and conversation. It's, 
it's, it's enjoyable. I think that becomes pretty infectious. And, uh, you know, I, I was very fortunate to have a lot of people in my corner throughout the program, people that have become since mentors, friends, sponsors in many cases, that I felt like I was able to make the most of that time in the program when not everything is, you know, calendar to the minute like we often see with our calendars today. Brian, I'm, I'm not going to lie. I was hoping there was going to be a secret sauce or silver bullet answer there, but it just sounds like just, you're just an overall <laughs> impressive and thoughtful individual. So for, for, for whoever's listening, you know, take notes, I guess. So Ryan, we, under, we understand your failure. We understand that's a big part of your job now and your, job in, your jobs in the past as well. Can you describe what one of your biggest wins in your career and how has that shaped your perspective on work and your life? Ooh, that's a good question. I think the first one that comes to mind was as I was interviewing for my first first leadership role, it was it was on the team that I was currently on and having the the team of peers come to me and say that they wanted me to be the leader really meant a lot. When you go from peer to manager or leader of a particular team, there's always that little bit of hesitation of how am I going to be received? You know, how how are we going to go through some of these things when we used to be making these decisions together and now more is going to hang over my head or there's going to be more expectations. So then them coming to me really meant a lot. It was a team that I still hold a ton of a ton of respect for, and them reciprocating that respect really meant a lot and, and made me feel much more comfortable going for that role in particular as opposed to others. In terms of what I learned, I think you realize that you, you don't go into leadership for for attaboys from your team. You got to be there. You got to be there through the dumpster fires and through the absolute worst of it. And it was a good reminder that even though they might not always say it, the team is you know, does respect you and is appreciative of the work that you do. So that, that in particular meant a, meant a lot and stuck out as something that, you know, you, you work towards and it wasn't one big shining dollar win, but was something that I think shaped me into really realizing the leader that I wanted to be and become and, you know, continue to work towards. We hear a lot about leadership in the CSEP program in Cisco as a whole. And we, all, we always hear, we always see like some of our peers who are always gunning for that leadership position. You strike me as someone who is more of a player coach and you kind of took the role more and so in stride. Does that accurately describe your experience going into leadership? Like, was it something that came knocking at your door or did you actively seek it? It was something that I always thought was in my my wheelhouse and, you know, going from school and sports. And, you know, I, I always gravitated t- towards those types of leadership roles because, you know, it was an, I always saw it as an opportunity to serve. But in this case, it was something at that stage in my career. I had a great I still have a great manager and leader who who pushed me towards it probably earlier in my career than I would have expected or or as is typical. And I think, you know, despite moving out here nine years ago and being in the land of of milk and honey and sexy startups. I'm at Cisco because I, there still are people that I that I want to be like, that I want to emulate. I'm still being pushed. I'm still being challenged and I'm, and I'm still being made uncomfortable. And when you have all those things, it's, it makes it really hard to, to look elsewhere. Right. I think that's a really good point that you make up the land of milk and honey. I think so. And informs me that, you know, Silicon Valley and specifically your area, there seems to be a lot of hopping jobs and go into different positions and different startups. And I have a, that's one of the questions I wanted to get to, but I think no, no, no time's better than the present. So you, you, you told us that you want to be the people keep you here at Cisco, but what else keeps you at Cisco? I know you mentioned challenge. You mentioned that you're being challenged. Is it the customers? Is it the partners? Can you describe that for us? No two, no two days are alike. I think that's a big one. And the things I just mentioned, obviously, and having a, a great, a great leader that you're working for, a great team that you enjoy talking to and working with every day. I think Cisco does a great job of 
of building a culture that just it it is truly great people and we've had some we've had some people recently join that said hey this is something that I know you guys have touted I know you're on every Gartner list or every you know US list for best places to work but they notice it within a very within a very quick period of time so yeah there's there's still there's still a lot to like and and again I think being for me being challenged and feeling like I'm continuously improving and learning is something that's that's incredibly important to me. And I, I, I'm still getting that. So I'm, I'm very lucky. That's good to hear, Ryan. I, I want to shift directions a little bit and kind of go back to, let's take you back to 2011 when you're first getting to CSAP, you got through the program, you're looking for a role, then how you got from where you thought you wanted to go in CSAP to where you are now. Yeah. And I think that story is, is funny because it's a great reminder of you never you never know who's going to lend a helping hand. You never know who's going to be the person that pushes you over the edge in an interview to get to get a role that you didn't even know was there in the first place. And it wasn't until a leader within the the Raleigh team in the the virtual program that I that I just played volleyball with who really wanted me to go into SP and was upset one of the leaders at a time had bailed on two interviews, which I was not sweating because I was I was happily on my way to Chicago, and he set me up for breakfast at one of with one of the leaders at the time. He just said, we, we got to get you to, we got to get you to web. We got to get you to California, which, which account do you want to work on? So I got, I, I got the ultimate bluff call and then just the, you know, the smallest of interactions and conversations set my, my life on a completely different trajectory, even though it's, you know, you mentioned character earlier and one of your non-negotiables for interviewing, I think it's always defined as how you treat someone who can seemingly do nothing for you. I think that's something that I, that I absolutely try to live by. And then it's, pretty funny when it comes back around it turns out that that's the that's the guy that ends up getting you a job that you didn't know existed on an incredible team in a in, a, in an amazing place of the world so funny how it all works out yeah i mean brian i i'd love to hear your take on being curious and being open-minded because that's just that's like the pinnacle story of what it, <laughs> of, of, of having those virtues right and so if you if you were to give some advice to CSAPers now and CSAPers coming into the program, or if you look at three legs on a stool, well, what of them be? Hey man, just be a little curious, just be open minded about your what you're doing in CSAP and and just get to know people. Absolutely, and I th- I think again speaking to Cisco's culture as a whole, just how willing everyone is to help. That said, come come prepared, come with good questions, show that you respect their time, and show that you respect what they've achieved up until that point. But I mean, it's an, it's an amazing place to learn from each other and take advantage of that. Cause that's not always, that's not always the case everywhere. Ryan, you mentioned, you know, leadership in professional life, but also in sports. So you played sports, Ryan, college being your flavor, your vice, whatever the case is, how has sports informed your career and the way you show up for work? And can you describe in the sport you play, please? Yeah. So I played, I played American football. It absolutely had a a massive influence on me, particularly in college. I think one of the things that some people may not realize is every morning you watch practice from the night before and you watch every play and every drill. From, a, from that standpoint, the attention to detail and you, and you kind of go back to the conversation around failure, you just get used to it to the point where you just expect it and you don't really consider it failure. It's just kind of, it's only failure if you keep doing the same thing wrong over and over again. But if you're not a repeat air guy, and you make the correction, and you don't let your team down, you just you just kind of accept it as part of the process. So I think for me in that, you know, in that film and that study, you, you get a, a real appreciation for attention to detail, the little things matter to me. And I think that's something absolutely. And I think the second thing would be constant feedback. College football coaches tend to do it a little more harshly 
than what we're used to at Cisco with some colorful language. So you're constantly getting feedback about what you need to improve upon, which and which and what you did right as well. I feel very fortunate to have gotten that, uh, to have built that those calluses and built some of those disciplines through playing uh, through playing college football. Yeah, Ryan, and with college football too, obviously playing on a team, right? So I'm sure a lot of that's informed your leadership and how you collaborate with your team now, your extended team, and Cisco as a whole, right? So playing sports and having your professional career the way it is at a high-performing level for so many years, I imagine that you have pretty good systems and rituals in place to help you maintain the level of output or the level of creativity or even energy to be in a leadership position. So if you don't mind, can you describe some of the things that keep you level or, you know, act as a ballast in your life to help maintain what you're doing now? Yeah, I think uh, I still, thankfully, I'm, I'm kind of, I'm trying to slow the, slow the post college football decline as best I can with some additional workouts not just for the physical aspect, but for the mental as well. I think uh, a lot of what we do, whether it's the people leadership, whether it's you know customer P0s, internal escalations that we're chasing down, it, it can take up a lot of your headspace pretty quickly. So getting, getting into the gym, going for runs, making sure that I make time. I'm trying to get better about making time for walks during the middle of the day. I think there is a recognition that when, when implemented, I am, I am better as a person, I'm better as a teammate and, and leader. And it's uh, just doing my best to stay disciplined to those things. That would be probably the, the biggest one for me. I'd like to pivot this conversation and take us into what you do now. So, Ryan, you, you, you recently, or not so recently, but you transitioned into a director of web operations. So can you describe what it is you do now and how it integrates with the greater Cisco mission? You can take that Cisco mission however you want as well. Sure. So right now we've got three different, three different leaders and their SE counterparts across eight of our largest web scale customers, mostly in the Bay Area. And we're responsible for the, the entire portfolio of product and services, which is, a, which is a ton of fun and ever growing with every acquisition that we make every, every year. And I think in terms of where we try to align to the company, and I think, again, I think outside of a lot of the, the culture and the people, Cisco's also made a, a big emphasis in our space, which makes it incredibly exciting. I, I would say probably seven or eight years ago, and, and kudos to Chuck for doing it for doing a great job here as well. They've they've started to allow Cisco to meet a lot of these web scale customers where they are. It's not telling them that they need to, to be building their networks in a certain way. It's not that they say you can only buy systems from us. We're we're starting to provide a tremendous amount of flexibility. In, in how we let our customers consume Cisco. We've got flexibility around the NAS, we've got flexibility around the hardware. Do you wanna do chip, white box? Do you wanna buy full systems from us? So giving that, giving that flexibility and not showing up as old Cisco like we know all the answers, I think is, has drastically changed the perception of Cisco at our customers. And, and we're having some really unique and interesting conversations and it, and it takes time to change that perception. So I think some of these accounts are, are very much, you know, in the boat, technically aligned with a lot of our most senior technical leadership. And some, you know, they're, they're still in the middle of their generation of a decision that was made several years ago. And, and we're, we're chomping at the bit to have really meaningful discussions and earn the opportunity to continue to, to co-develop them in a way that suits their needs and allows them to continue to, to grow their own business or support their growing business. Yeah, well said, Ryan. And I think what's unique about your perspective is 
you stayed in the, that vertical for so many years and, I, and you've seen the, the change and the shift. For advice going into CSAPR, like what are some of the things that you wish you knew back when you were looking for companies like an Apple, like a Google? And how has that even changed moving forward? What, would you, what advice would you bestow now on the incoming class of CSAPRs? So many, so many different things. I think, you know, I mentioned it probably two or three times at this stage, but genuinely being curious, I think being prepared for any conversation you have, but also truly listening and, and wanting to dig deeper into certain areas. There's so much to, there's so many people that want to help and that are willing to help. And there's so many opportunities for CSAPRs to be reaching out. You get a great foundation and a great baseline within the program from a technology and a sales perspective. But, but oftentimes you don't quite know yet how that's going to be applied. So bridging as much of that gap as you can prior to jumping into some of your first meetings, like how do you find ways to like pre-fail where learn either learning from someone else's mistakes or going through some of these role plays or, you know, asking people what they would do in certain situations and they can give you some of the puts and takes or, or things to think about or frameworks that they use so that once you get, you know, once you get a little bit under the, the heat and a little bit of the pressure cooker, you've got some, you've got some other tools in your toolkit to rely on as opposed to just having to go in and find out the hard way. I'll echo that, Ryan. I think one underestimated aspect about CSAP that I never took seriously until it literally came to fruition time and time again was the power of reaching out to people on, on teams. It's what makes CSAP special, for sure. So, Ryan, some advice for CSAPers coming in now. How do you, like a good shutoff routine, because they're, they're motivated and ambitious young people like you were back then. And they want to be constantly grinding and wanting to get ahead. So is it what you just mentioned? Maybe add some friction in your day, have go for walks, like provide a little insight on that if you could. Yeah. Again, no, no perfect answer, but find some rules that work for you and do your best to stick to them, whether it's, you know, using the do not disturb on your phone for certain times. I, I know that's easier said than done. And we get those Vantum vibrates in our pocket thinking that our phone's going off. And there's something that we need to respond to right now. The reality is we, we, we probably don't. And if there's something that's an absolute emergency and, and something's blowing up, most people have our cell phone numbers as well. So there's that, there's that escalation path of communication that already exists that, that can be leveraged. But I also think about it from like the five years out view of, and I, and I know that's tough early in career because I struggled with it. I'll kind of live, like if I were living my life in reverse and saying, what are the things I really regretted and would have done differently? I, I don't have many in life, but one was within the first month of CSAP. You're, you're new, you're, you're in class, you don't have money, and you're thinking this is the most important thing in the world right now. And one of my best friends from school's sister passed away after a long battle with leukemia and the, the, the wake and the funeral were midweek. And, you know, again, between the money, the time, not having days off and this being the most important thing in the world right now, I didn't go. And, and that was one of the few major regrets in my life where I'm glad it happened because it's informed me for the rest of my life. And when those types of things come up, it's a no brainer. And now as a leader, I have the opportunity to tell that story and say, don't think for a second. I know you're however old. I know you. this is your first job. I know you think that this is going to be the most important thing to set yourself up for the career, your career. But giving people perspective so that they don't they don't have those regrets and make those mistakes because they're Cisco is an amazing place. It's an amazing community, but it is not is not your family. It's not your it's not your closest friends and, and making sure when those types of things happen, people it's not even a question. And I know that's the, a, probably a more dramatic example, but it also gave me that kind of idea of like, hey, what am I going to think about this when I'm, you know, five years from now, 10 years from now? what would I have wished my answer? How do I wish I would have handled this? And, and, and knowing that I can, uh, 
I can not look myself in the mirror, but know that I made the made the best decision decision with the information I had at hand. I think the other piece of that as well, when you're prioritize looking to prioritize your your close ones, is just being a good communicator and setting expectations as well. I think that was something on the. I think it was one of the ex-Googlers did a did a big book on that and talked about how happiness is your your perception of your reality less your expectations and a big piece of that is expectations and how do we set expectations you know if it is going to be a busy week month and I think most people appreciate hearing that up front so they don't think that they're constantly getting deprioritized or anything like that. Yeah, Brian, I think that's a perfect way to look at it. Zooming out, for example, and I like your your little anecdote about the five years like what would I think about this in five years and I think it's a good perspective so and we're nearing the end of the episode Ryan I was like asking this question you're gonna I'm gonna try this on you so what's one question you wish I asked and can you answer it now oh I, I typically liked when I was in the program I would ask a lot of people what book they read what, what book they liked career-wise or others but now if I'm asking myself that question I don't have one right off the top of my head other than I'm asking the team to read the qualified sales leader just because I think it's it's thinking about things in a new way. It's very programmatic. It's it's very applicable. But that's that was one that's always fun because it's something that's, you know, it can be more business related and something for you to learn far more. It can tell you a little bit more about the person's interest, which is always, always fun as well. So Ryan, this looks like a good place to stop. So last question. You've done a lot here at Cisco in the nine years that you've been here, right? Or that, that's crazy, dude. Like the amount of time... You've been in rule to where you are now. It's been literally meteoric, as I described. What else is on the list, man? What, where do you see yourself? What do you want to be remembered for? I think that's the best way to encapsulate that last question. What, what does Ryan want to be remembered for? As I, I think I mentioned earlier in terms of biggest win and having some folks feel like I was being pushed up for leadership, which, which meant a lot. It's the, you know, if someone's moving teams within Cisco, leaving Cisco, I think my goal is always to be kind of the number one draft pick and, and be someone that people want to work, someone that people want to have on their team that they want to hire, someone that people want to work with and somebody that people want to work for or, or get hired by. I think those those three things in a full in a full 360 and not lacking one or, or the other would be kind of my, uh, my goal. That's awesome, Ryan. Thank you, brother, so much for doing this podcast with me. I'm very, very happy that you agreed to do it and I'll leave it to you for any final thoughts. That's it, man. I think just enjoy enjoy the time. I know there's probably a lot of uncertainty as the program moves through. What's what's next for you guys? And there's a there's a lot to understand in terms of what's out there, the technology, potentially moving to a new city. Enjoy the process. Have fun with it. Be curious. Keep learning. Keep and keep building and maintaining that network. It's incredibly it's incredibly strong, incredibly powerful, and and people want to help. So thanks for setting this up, man. It was a bunch of fun, and we'll uh, we'll keep it rolling. Yeah, man. Thanks, Ryan. Congratulations on your success. Thanks, buddy. Take care.